I got to tell you, Parker, pretty proud of the content that we've uh, put on these airwaves today leading up into this moment. Pretty cool day here on The Ref. Billy Tubbs Day, celebrating, remembering the incredible life of Billy Tubbs as we're honoring him today on The Ref, and they're going to honor him tomorrow at the LNC during the Kansas game. But how about the list of guests that we've had on today, dude? It's been impressive. Stacy King was amazing. Chew Kennedy was awesome. Tommy Tubbs was awesome. I mean, everyone throughout the day has been fantastic, but it was to everyone that put in work to get all the guests. Uh, special thanks to Tommy Tubbs and the Tubbs family. Today's been a um, today's been a lot of fun, and uh, kudos to all the shows here before us. They've everyone's done a really, really, really excellent job of uh, telling some cool stories. A lot that I didn't know previously and uh, honoring and celebrating the life of, uh, of Billy Tubbs. I, I don't know about you, my favorite story, I mean, this is a recruiting hour. I think my favorite story of the day is probably Stacy King, you know, coming out of uh, Lawton, Oklahoma. Maryland's leading his recruitment. There was probably crystal balls and future cast for Stacy King to end up a Maryland Terrapin. And then Billy Tubbs showed up. He showed up in a white limousine. With uh, Stacy King's name on the front of the limousine, and then apparently when Stacy King was dropped back off, he was in a crimson limousine. That's Cruton right there, buddy. I don't know if that was an NCAA violation or not. Maybe it was, but you know everyone talks about Billy Tubbs. You know, fun up, you know, up up tempo, entertaining style of basketball. Sounds like the guy could recruit at a very high level as well. And how could you not with that personality that he had? But today's, today's been an awesome day, man. I don't know if anything in particular has stood out to you or not, but what Stacy King said uh, was, was, was really cool. Yeah, obviously Billy, as many have mentioned throughout the day, was responsible for what is unquestionably the golden era of Oklahoma basketball, right? That's what – when people think Oklahoma basketball, people think Billy ball. Yep. And can't underestimate the impact that he had on that program. Watching some of the old highlights that have circulated on social media the last few days. It's crazy how alive the Lloyd Noble Dude, Center is. Did you see the it? one we put out last night on the ref accounts when they beat UNLV? Uh-huh. And how that place was that was a I, I'd never seen that place like that before. I've been to a lot of games in that in that arena. I haven't seen it like that before. Jeez, that place was jumping that night. No, you're right, man. Like like my like growing up, like my childhood, is when Kelvin Sampson was here, and that was awesome, man. I, I love those Kelvin Sampson teams. Um, Tim Heskett was my first ever favorite OU basketball player. Hollis Price, my favorite OU basketball player of all time. But if I have one regret as a fan, as if I could have helped this Parker, I wish I would have got to live through the mid to late '80s here, because that feels like. It, one, it was an incredible era. I wonder if that was the single best era of OU athletics because you had Barry Switzer still here winning a lot of games in the mid to late 80s, and then you had Billy Ball doing what he was doing during the same time period. And, and some of our listeners, I mean, you guys think that was the best era of OU athletics in your life? Let us know on the text line, 405-651-3439. But I can't imagine having both Switzer and Billy Tubbs on campus at the same time. That'd be incredible. Was that the golden era of OU athletics? That's what I'm saying. As a whole. That's like, what I'm saying. I think it probably there's is. There's a case to be made. No question.
I mean, early 2000s was still pretty good, too. Sherry Cole had the women's basketball program going. Patty Gasso had won a national championship in 2000. Obviously, Kelvin and Bob Stoops doing what they were doing, but mid to late 80s, I know that's a pretty, really special time period for a, uh, for a lot of people. But all right, on to recruiting. All right, on to Cruton and on to the transfer portal. We've got some things to talk about in the 25 and the 26 class. Let's start with the 25 class. Buddy, yesterday I said there's not really a whole lot going on in the 25 class, is there? Not a real storyline going on. There is now. There's a new offer out. It's Amari Sapp. And I guess that really goes to the transfer portal is as well. Is he 25? He's 26. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. misspoke on that. Okay. Yeah, just want to make sure. But want to make sure I had it straight. But, yeah, so Keon Sab, the outstanding safety at the University of Michigan, and a former commit to the Clemson Tigers yep. while Brent Venables was the defensive coordinator there, is in the transfer portal as of this morning. Within hours, the University of Oklahoma, Tyler, had offered not only – is it Amari or Amani? I forget. Uh, Amari. Amari. There you go. At least that's what I have written down Amari Sab. Not only have they offered Amari Sab, class of 2026, Keon's younger brother, but they have offered his even younger brother, Xavier, class of 2027. So the timing there – Speaks volumes, does it not? Yeah, you no, can't really, really explain that away as a coincidence. Now, the major question that kind of overhangs all of this is how on earth does Oklahoma find room for another safety? I think it's their most loaded position group at this point. I mean, linebacker's pretty good too, but safety is absolutely in the conversation, and it's not just loaded with talent that's been there, like, there's a lot of young talent that, that's there too. Correct. How do you find room? For another safety. And look, Keon Sab is good enough that if he wants to come to Oklahoma, okay, you'll make it work. As long as you're not at immediate risk and you know you're not at immediate risk of chasing off any of your other safeties Correct. in the room. The Peyton Bowens and RSJs, etc. But how do you manage that room if you're Brandon Hall? How do you find enough snaps for everybody? How do you get the numbers situation fixed? Not just with regard to safeties, but the roster that's as a, a whole. That's the point I was going to make, and yes. That, yeah, it, there, there, are a lot of it, there are a lot of very immediate questions that get raised with regard to the potential of Oklahoma pursuing Keon Sav. But again, I don't think you have to look any further than the offers to his younger brothers to conclude that OU is interested in Keon Sav. Well, and there are things that can happen at times that – let you know that a staff is interested in a particular player. And this, to me, feels like an instance of where they're, you know, they're not trying to tell us, but you can tell that they are interested in Keon Sapp, to, to the point. And he's – did he start four games at Michigan last year? Were, were those his final numbers, Keon Sapp? I thought I read today on Michigan's website that he started four games at safety last year. Regardless, he is a good player, and yes, you were stacked at that position, but if you feel like he can help you out immediately – or if there's a position on the field you've identified that if we stick him here, he's going to get a lot of playing time. Yeah, I, I mean, it's we at least have someone on the radar now for the transfer portal, correct? We thought we we're going to have to wait till after the spring cycle. So at least Keon Sab is someone we'll be keeping an eye on. Just when you think you're out, they really are right back in again. It never ends, man. Never ends. For a moment in time, figured okay. All the questions surrounding OU's roster have been answered. 
This is it. We'll roll into spring ball. We're chilling. And then Keon Sab hits the portal, and boom, Oklahoma pounces. Oh. I guess we don't know that they have pounced, but all indications are that, yeah, they're making a play for this. Game. This staff, and they haven't been here very long, but this staff, like, there's already a few instances where, hey, we really like the older brother. We really like the younger brother, too. Let's just offer them both. You've got Day and Desan McCullough. I know Day's already left the program, but they both got them on campus. Um, the Bowen brothers, Eli and, and Peyton Bowen, am I missing anyone else that they at least tried to offer at one point? I feel like I'm missing at least one. Where, oh, the, the Hatchet brothers, I mean, you got the older brother. Maybe you get the younger brother at some point later on this cycle. So they, they if they've they, identified two... Uh, a younger and a brother, a younger older brother that they really like. They're not scared to offer them both. Yeah, they did. They pursued Zion and Zachariah Branch, yeah. who obviously both ended up at USC. But yeah, Oklahoma doesn't shy away from that. Uh, John from Tulsa asks, could they be interested in this kid because they don't think Harrington will get his last year? Well, I suppose that is a possibility, but everything that I've been told regarding Justin Harrington's situation with the NCAA indicates that he's going to get that waiver for an additional year. There's no justifiable reason why he wouldn't after partially tearing his ACL in game two of last season. Right. So I I guess theoretically maybe, John, but again, everything points to Justin Harrington being back on OU's roster for 2024. Jeff from OKC, the Roberts brothers. Yeah, that's, let's hope that that is uh... – well, I guess they won't ever be at OU at the same time, even if that happens, right? Hawkins brothers. There Hawkins you go. brothers, yeah. Weston Sooner mentioned the Overton brothers. <laughs> See, there's like it's pretty good, like five different sets of brothers already, and this this staff hasn't been on campus uh, for that long. Nine one eight make roster moves to make space for particular players. We are also heavy at positions where contributors cause issues, i.e., wide receivers. Easy to whack at least two of them, and we know their names. Bonehead plays and fumbles. All right, so OU's processing Jalil Farouk. Maybe Gavin Freeman was the other one that they were mentioning there? Yeah, look, no. I There are guys on this roster. There aren't many, but there are guys on this roster that you look at their situation on the depth chart and where they're at eligibility-wise and conclude, okay, they're probably never playing meaningful football at Oklahoma. You can afford to, quote-unquote, whack them. But you were doing that already, Tyler. You were going to have to do that already. Oklahoma's going to have to trim down the numbers as it is, whether or not they bring on, bring in Keon Sapp. So the potential of adding another scholarship safety to the mix only muddies the waters that much further. Two-star Taylor says, long time no text. It's baseball season, boys. It is. Baseball season starts today. In fact, in about 15 minutes when 2.30 hits, if you're listening on the app or you're listening on 1400 AM, 99.3 FM, you will be taking to uh, baseball pregame with, uh, with Toby. If you want to listen to the rest of this show or the Rush Today, uh, our affiliates in uh, Tulsa and Weatherford are your uh, options there. Otherwise, just catch us on the podcast page as soon as the show is over. 405-651-3439 is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. So, with it being the case that most of you will more than likely not hear but one more segment from us today, we still got to get a lot to get we got a lot to get to. There there's a prediction in 
for a quarterback in 2026. Well, hmm. well, well. You don't say. Let's talk about it coming up next right here on The Ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on The Ref. We are the home of Sooner fans. A reminder at 2.30 in about 10 minutes from now, if you're listening on the KREF app, 1400 AM, 99.3 FM, you'll go out to Arlington, Texas for the season opener for OU Baseball. Those of you listening, 1430 AM in Tulsa, 97.3 FM and 1320 AM in Weatherford, will stick with us for the remainder of the show and on into the rush as well. New future cast is out from John Garcia Jr. It's for Darion Coleman. 2026 quarterback out of Orlando, Florida, six foot one, 160 pounds. Who are some of the better offers he has? Ole Miss, Nebraska, Texas A&M, just to, to list a few there. It uh, feels like it's been trending maybe for the past two weeks, maybe, even with all the other 26 quarterback offers, but Darion Coleman, more and more predictions rolling in. How about that? Yeah. I mean, look, there's a reason I put the prediction in the day after he got offered, right? Like, I I feel strongly that Darion Coleman is your guy in the class of 2026, and obviously, I'm not the only one that believes that. Uh, The buzz is strong with Coleman and OU. He has been, well, he has not been shy at all about the fact that this is his dream school, his dream offer. He said he's coming up for the spring game. Odds are he makes an appearance at one of Oklahoma's uh, football camps in early June to get a chance to throw in front of the staff. And then after that, I would figure it's not too much longer before he's locked in. Does this staff have a type when it comes to quarterback? And I'm just trying to think of the quarterbacks they've brought in or have committed or have played. Um, Dylan Gabriel could run the ball, right? Jackson Arnold can absolutely run the ball. Yeah, mobility, and maybe not mobility, but functional athleticism is kind of a prerequisite. Yeah, and, and that's you the know, case for most teams in college football these days, but no no statues back there. No statues whatsoever. And not everybody is a 4-4 guy like Michael Hawkins, for instance. But every single quarterback that Oklahoma has recruited in recent years, even Spencer Rattler to an extent, uh, you, you can go back before the Venables era. Every single quarterback that Oklahoma has recruited over the last decade or so has been a guy with functional athleticism, if not outright mobility. Who's the last statue quarterback or close to it that OU's had? Landry? Landry, yeah. Except the time it was like fourth and one in the 2010 Big 12 championship and Landry did the fake handoff and – Ran around the end, and it was wide open. There was no one there, and he ran no for wonder. like 30 yards for a first down. I don't know if anyone else remembers that play, I'm sure. But, yeah, Landry, probably the last one. Um, of course, what you have with Kyler, you, you may never see anything like that again. But I, I do expect Jackson Arnold to be – like they're, they're going to use Jackson Arnold's legs quite a bit this year. I don't, I don't have much doubt about that. that that'll be a, a big factor in the offense for sure, man. It sure will be. And – I, I don't know that you're going to see as much of Jackson Arnold running in a designed capacity as you did of Caleb Williams, for instance, sure. or Jalen Hurts. But I think it'll be very comparable to what you saw with Dylan Gabriel, where they're, they're not asking him to tote the ball 20 times a game, but on four or five, maybe six instances over the course of the game, you will have a designed run for Jackson Arnold, whether that's something that's straight ahead or designed to get him out there in space. 
Too early to tell where Darion Coleman will factor in in terms of quarterback rankings for the 2026 class? It is really early, and I'll, I'll give you a ballpark. I think he's definitely a top 150 guy as far as how high he flies. So much of it for quarterbacks is dependent upon stuff like the Elite 11, right? How do you stack up in person, up close, against the other top arms in the class? So we may not have an, a true idea – of how high Coleman ends up getting ranked until I would say the early part of his senior season. But I think he's definitely in the long run, a top 150 guy and has the potential to rank significantly higher than that. Squirrel from Norman says Nate Hibble was a statue. 918 Rattler is the least athletic quarterback we've had since Nate Hibble. So you're saying Spencer Rattler is less athletic than Landry Jones. You know, I'm sorry, I'm just not in agreement with you on that one. So remember, I guess it was the first year Rattler was a full-time starter. So that was the yeah, it was the 2020 season. Remember what he did in the Bedlam game going towards the north end zone? Was it Trey Sterling, the safety from Oklahoma State? Oh yeah. Dude, like totally just juked him out. And Rattler runs straight in the end zone for a touchdown. It was like, whoa, okay. He had he had a little wiggle. Lou Wiggle to it. Now, at least he did on that one. No one would accuse him of being a true dual threat, but Spencer Rattler could move when he needed to. Slim Brady says, can Kevin Sperry move around? I don't feel like he's very mobile. He is. He is quite mobile. Uh, and maybe it doesn't show up on tape because he doesn't get asked to run a whole lot at Carl Albert. I mean, why have your quarterback run when you can just hand it to Xavier Robinson and let him go downhill? Uh, he eclipsed the 2,000-yard barrier each of his final two seasons of high school. But... No, yeah, Kevin, Kevin Sperry is a very athletic guy. And you see him in camp or you see him uh, out on the practice field and such. And you can see it in flashes during games as well. But, again, it's just not something he is asked to do a ton. He is quite mobile. Somebody that is probably not as fast as Jackson Arnold, certainly not as fast as Michael Hawkins, but comparative to – oh, maybe what's – I would say he's comparable to Dylan Gabriel in terms of yeah. mobility. Statue Davis Bevel okay, says well, on the 580. Just, <laughs> just going to forget that ever happened, okay? 918, I have trees that move faster than Sam Bradford. Well, can those trees flip like Sam Bradford can inside the five-yard line, huh? I bet they can't. Sam Bradford, hell of a flip in Bedlam, 2008. Were those trees scratch golfers? D1 basketball prospects, nope. future NHL hockey players. No. Because Sam Bradford was all of those things. He's he's one of those individuals is like, even if he's never played the sport before, he's going to, you know, end up being really good at it. Really good at it. Justin Newcastle says Blake Bell. Blake Bell could definitely. Like, that's, uh, Blake that's Bell his is first still playing tight end in the NFL. That was his first involvement in the OU offense in 2011. Is like, all right, we can't run it by the goal line or in short yardage sets. Let's just. Snap it to Belldozer here, and it'll work out most of the time it, it did. Las Vegas Sooner says, uh, since I guess I'm losing you all, passing this along, great shows all day, feeling nostalgic. Recall going to the UNLV, nasty winter day, but we had a blast. Student section was on fire that day. Am I that old? Fast forward, and now I live in Las Vegas. That's from Las Vegas Sooner. Condolences, Las Vegas Sooner. I'm sorry, you have to live in Sin City. That's the game that um, I, I don't know. I, I'd have to think about it a lot longer 
But just off the top of my head, an OU basketball game that I wasn't alive for, that if I could go back at a time machine and attend, it's probably that OU-UNLV home game that we saw last night how crazy the LNC was. Maybe the Missouri game where Billy got on the mic, that's pretty good too. But if I could go back, it, it's definitely a Billy Tubbs game if I can go back in time and see an OU basketball game I wasn't alive for. You think a young Eli Drinkwitz was in attendance for that OU-Missouri game when Billy Tubbs got on the mic? Yeah, he got beat up outside probably. <laughs> He was he would have been what like seven years old? And he's from he was born in Norman. Probably so. cried in the first half and his parents had to take him home and miss one of the greatest home games ever. He cried the entire time. Let me see if I can get through this in ninety seconds before we lose uh, some people. Twenty twenty four best QB wide receiver duos in college football. Number one says twenty four seven. Quinn Ewers and Isaiah Bond at Texas. The Please. best the best quarterback wide receiver duo in the sport going into this year. How about that? No it, comment. I, know, I don't want to say anything mean, so I won't. I know that um, I know that Isaiah Bond had that incredible catch to beat Auburn this year, but did he have over a thousand? Did he have this crazy year that no. I'm not aware of? No, no. It's the it's the Texas brand power. That's all it is. DG and Tez Johnson at number two at Oregon. Okay. and McMillan at Arizona. That's that's a yeah, really that good might duo. be one for me. Uh, Brady Cook and Luther Burden at number six from Mizzou. And then we've got Jackson Arnold and Nick Anderson at number 10 on the list. They made the list. I'm down with it. JFA and Nick Anderson. They made the top 10. That's good enough for me. At least um, 24 7 is letting us know who they think the favorite is for the number one wide receiver, Nick Anderson. By the way, Tulsa Tim asks, is it true that Dorquitz tampered with Ollie Gordon? <laughs> Apparently, Oklahoma State Twitter is saying that today. Really? I don't, I don't know if it's true or not. Apparently, they're alleging that Drinkwitz tampered with Ollie. Does that surprise you? It would not surprise me at all if that were true. Actually, 0%. I'd be surprised if he didn't. <laughs> I would be surprised if that's not true, yeah. All right, it's officially 2.30. Can anyone hear us? Is anyone out there? Anyone? 405-651-3439. We uh, we got a lot of text to get to actually. Five eight zero says drink was rooting for the refs. Nine one eight had a standing room only ticket for the UNLV game. Loud and awesome. Sooner JJ says Loyola Marymount best OU basketball game. Four zero five says, well I don't know the answer to this. With all the guests and tributes to Tubbs today, any news on Mookie Blaylock? I know he's had his troubles. Hope he's well. Dude was damn good. Yeah, I, I don't know the answer to that. 479 UNLV game, Skeeter Henry and Larry Johnson almost got into a fight. Classic Skeeter. More coming up next. More Cruton, more Portal, more crazy, nonsensical offseason rankings as well, right here on the ref. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref. We are the Homeless Sooner fans. 918 Ol' Arch Manning didn't have to go to all the elite camps to be ranked high, LOL. With the crying face or laughing face emoji. Yeah, and uh, he's more than likely going to be the backup quarterback for another year. Though you never, I mean, you never know. I, Quinn Ewers, his two years at Texas, he's missed time in both years. So is it a greater than 50% chance that Arch has to start a game this year? I don't know. That's difficult to predict an injury, but based on the last two years, yeah, we might see an Arch uh, in a big spot this year at some point. Be fascinating if it happens. Or, riddle me this. 
just envision in your mind this scenario. Okay, okay. Quinn Ewers throws 10 interceptions in the first four games of the season and gets outright benched for Arch. How are Texas fans going to spin that? Because you know they will. What if what if Quinn Ewers just sucks next year, and that's why Arch Manning is playing? Um, how will they spin that? Ah, we're just getting to the future early. I don't know how they would spin it. I'd be, I'm always marvelled at how they can, uh, how they were able to spin the decade of suck when it was going on. And the decade of suck was actually like 11, 12 years, to be honest. Yeah, decade plus of suck. 918 with the possibility of the 2026 quarterback offer is OU getting a little too heavy at quarterback position by then. Uh no. No, I mean I I think it's clear that this staff is going to take a quarterback in every class and I think that that's smart man with as much movement as there is right now in the portal for quarterbacks. Got to. I think yeah man, you have to take at least quarterback. Like you 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 take a quarterback in every class not with the realistic expectation that you're going to keep all of them for three to four years, just to always have some sort of an option on campus because it's hard, man. Like, it's harder to develop quarterback depth than any other position on the field at this point. It's hard to do, really hard to do. Here's a fun trivia question for you, Tyler. You know the last quarterback to sign with Oklahoma out of high school and finish his collegiate career at Oklahoma? Yes. um, Is it not... Is it not Blake Bell? Is it he is the last Blake one? Bell. Yeah. Blake Bell is the last one. Blake Bell was class of 2010. Okay. So it has been almost 15 years, folks, since there was a quarterback that signed with OU out of high school and remained at OU throughout the entirety of his collegiate career. Among scholarship signees, that is. Well, now let's do it this way. Who's the last quarterback to sign with OU out of high school? And to finish his career as a quarterback at OU, Landry Jones, Landry in the class Jones, of 2008. Here, right? It's, it's it's insane, isn't it? It's insane. So no, OU is not getting too heavy at quarterback. Lenar, uh, Lamar from the 918, OU versus Loyola Marymount, 1990, 172-112 OU. Holy smokes! Oh yeah, that was an actual score of a basketball game. Yeah, I mean. There was uh, who, who was the uh, it was the was it U.S. International I, I think it was that that they played uh, first game of the season and just yeah it, it, it insane how many points that they would put up uh, back in the day four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine again that is the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line twenty twenty five rankings right now for OU just not a whole lot is going on nationally throughout the country. So OU's kind of holding steady at five right now, and they have been for a while. Notre Dame's at one. Notre Dame's actually got a pretty big lead at number one right now. That will change, I think, as we get deeper and deeper into the cycle. LSU's at two. Clemson's at three. Ohio State is at four. And then Oklahoma is sitting there at five. Now, I asked you, I think, on Monday, like, what are the odds that OU can finish with the top five class? But how about this for an even more difficult question? Will there ever be a day that Brent Venable signs the number one overall recruiting class while he's at OU? Will that day ever come? And what's going to have to happen for OU in a class for that to be the case? Will that day come? Yes, I believe it will. How far off is that? I don't know. I don't think it happens in 2025. It may happen in 2026, man. I think... Uh, I, and I don't want to get too far out in front of my skis. Like, 
I don't want a year from now people to be saying, you said this had the potential to be the number one class, and now look at OU. They're look at OU, number they're number nine. three. Oh. Yeah, or something <laughs> like that. But no, like, I, I get it's a long way out. But the potential of – well, first off, you already have a top 100 commit nationally in Jonathan Hatton, the running back out of Cibolo Steel High School in Texas. But the potential effect – of landing Darion Coleman could be significant because one of the things that he has acknowledged to me is that a, he wants to commit sometime this summer and b the reason he wants to commit early, i.e. before his junior year of high school starts is so that he can recruit his peers. And so a guy from Orlando, Florida, a state that is rife with up and coming talent. Yep. You throw him in OU's class as the, the face, the capstone, the cornerstone, if you will, and give him a year and a half to put in work with his peers, getting them to Norman, yeah, that bodes well for Oklahoma. I mean, we've already given the a, or a K-Ref Recruiter of the Month award to an OU commit. We, we gave it to Kevin Sperry. And if we were doing this for the past three years, we haven't been doing a show together for three years, but if we started doing K-Ref Recruiter of the Month the first day that you and I started doing this show together, there's a chance that Jackson Arnold may have been in the running for K-Ref Recruiter of the Month at one point. The point is, if you could ever design a recruiting class, Parker, I think I would almost always want my first or one of my first commits in a recruiting class to be from a quarterback or a big-time quarterback. Because we've seen it so often around here with Kevin Sperry, with Jackson Arnold, and it will be the case moving forward. Michael Hawkins, I want to give him his due as well because he helped out too. So often, man, quarterbacks become one of the best recruiters that you have on staff. You know, I mean, there's just that has an effect, man. Like a, a quarterback, whether it's text messaging on the phone, talking to these guys at camps, recruiting visits, quarterbacks have pull with the recruiting class. Heck, I, and I know that we make fun of his ranking all the time, but Arch Manning had a big effect with that Texas class a couple of years ago. So getting a big-time quarterback, we just talked about it. I think it matters in terms of overall quarterback depth moving forward, but it almost always ends up boosting a recruiting class did one way just, or the other. Did you just say something nice about Arch Manning for on, on these two airwaves? For two seconds. And it's then a moved good, on. It's a good thing there are only like eight moved people on. that can hear us right now. Correct. That's why I said it after 2.30. I wasn't going to say it before 2.30. Hope that flies under the radar. Because what are they calling Steely right now on the uh, on the text line? Is he Longhorn something? I, I, oh, yeah, he's, he's Hook'em Steely. Yeah. He's, uh, he's Sick'em Steely most recently because <laughs> he picked Baylor over OU earlier this week. Uh, that's great. He's uh, Pistol Steely. Yeah. Uh, uh, basically, it's uh, guns up, Steely. Well, you got him out of here today without uh, pushing him for a final score. He could be rock chalk Steely as well. Oh, man. I let him off easy. Dang it. Um, We ever going to get to talk to Zach Alley, by the way? Hopefully. I mean, oh, you just hired a new co-defensive coordinator, right? Yeah. And that hiring has been official for like a month. I was just curious as to if we're ever going to – be able to talk I, I to would the guy figure they'll him make questions. him available when spring ball opens up. When spring ball opening up, do they have an actual date yet? I don't think they have a date. It'll, yeah. Figure okay, you get thirty days of spring ball, right? Spring games on the twentieth, so you'd think third week of March is when they open up. 
seems about right. Maybe 420 is the first time we'll uh, be able to talk to uh, Zach Alley. Boy, that'd be awesome. Post-spring game. Maybe that'll be it. Maybe uh, we can sneak Gunny into the media room. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and like Gunny meeting Jamel Holloway, I'm sure Gunny would walk into the media room and everyone would turn around and say, Hey, there's Gunny. <laughs> Gunny has quite the knack of everyone knowing who he is before he meets those people. Really? Feels like everyone knows who, who Gunny is. Yeah. He's like the unofficial KREF mascot at this point, I think. Wow. Or maybe I think, the I think official KREF mascot. There are a lot of textures that would probably fight him for those honors. Yeah. But, no, I agree with you. Spe- He's iconic. Speaking of uh, text line, I, I found a text line hack earlier this week. Really? Thanks to you and Steely. Yeah, it's so easy, man. If it's a slow news day and there's nothing going on and you're having a hard time getting interaction, the hack is all you have to do is say, hey, do you like OU Texas at 11 or 2.30? And the whole text line will just blow up right after that. That's the text line hack. Because I think you guys have uh, seen that up close and personal for the past couple of days or the past few days. That is true. People have opinions. It's bled over to social media now. People are arguing on the Twitterverse. Uh, we got this text yesterday. Um, it says, Douglas Utu, Jonah Williams, and Michael Fasusi would give OU three top 15 players as of now on Rivals. Chances we get those guys. When was the last time OU had two offensive linemen in the top 10 to 15? Yeah, look, they may get Jonah Williams. They may get Michael Fasusi. They're not getting Douglas Utu. Correct. So let's just and yeah, they've never that expectation. And right they've now. never got, at least in the recruiting rankings era, Never got two offensive linemen rank in the top 10 to 15 nationally. At a position, like just offensive linemen overall, yeah, that's probably happened at some point. But if you're talking about two offensive linemen ranked in the top 15 nationally, yeah, I can't. Wes Sims and Bray Walker, I looked yesterday. Two highest rated offensive line recruits you've gotten in the recruiting rankings era, they weren't in the same class, clearly. Yeah, the day I start talking up Oklahoma's chances with Douglas Utu is the day that all of you should leave flowers, chocolates, and cans of Zen in Bill Biedenboe's driveway because... He a big Zen guy, huh? Oh, yeah. He's a big Zen guy. Yeah, no, he doesn't chew. Not anymore, at least. Okay, good for him. He's on the Zen. Good for him. I like to hear that. Um, Here's something for you to ponder over the break. Now, as soon as the Super Bowl concluded... The New York Jets decided to announce, hey, these crap uniforms we've been wearing for a few years now, we're going to like change our uniform look up. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, They're yeah, revamping yeah, it? Yeah, Good, yeah. man. So you Hideous. tell me during the break, or you think about it during the break, which college football team needs to make a similar announcement. Hey, these uniforms we're wearing right now are crap. And we're going to come up with a new look. Maybe it'll be a throwback look, but we're going to come up with a new D- look. Not, not enough teams, not enough organizations do enough not they don't leverage the throwback look enough for instance if the jets just went back to their look from the 70s 80s that'd be fine that's what i said that'd be great even when vinnie testaverde was there in the 90s the uniforms weren't so bad they weren't bad yeah, they're atrocious now atrocious Ugh. alex from manford's right hey parker next time you work with teddy and you want to fire him up just read a text from doug from norman teddy had a moment yesterday with the text from doug yeah it got interesting what was the text so we were talking about the whole uh, mule shoe thing from Plaschke. As one does. And just really just saying, well, is he theoretically on the hot seat? Like, just really kind of discussing his future. I may have thrown in a jab or two, but sure. nothing serious. 
Doug came back and was like, you guys, I mean, you want to sit here and talk about this guy. Here's his record. Here's Brent's record. And yet you act like Brent has accomplished so much. We didn't even talk about Brent Venables that last segment. And Teddy just Teddy just blew up. Doug tried to double down and say we're a station full of homers and sunshine pumpers. That pissed Teddy off, too. And, yeah, I got off the rails. Oh, boy. It was pretty awesome, though. I'm going to have to go find the podcast. Yeah. Which well, hour was it? it? Well, the podcast hour is titled, I think I put it at Doug from Norman Text In and All Mayhem. Uh, and Mayhem <laughs> is cause or something like that. But Doug from Norman is in the title of that uh, podcast episode from yesterday. Oh, man. All right, we'll get to more text coming up next on the other side and more football as well right here on The Ref. Final segment, Locked In with Macoma Santhoon, Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC in El Reno, bringing you this hour of Locked In. Dorsey Jones, they sell Buicks and GMCs, which are some of the best trucks and SUVs on the road. Their low-pressure environment creates an enjoyable experience for everyone, and their sales staff is knowledgeable and eager to assist you before and after the buying process. They have all that and incredible pricing as well. That's Dorsey Jones, Buick GMC in El Reno, where there's half-price oil changes on Saturday. Uh, tell me what you think about this. This just dropped. I guess a Penn State trustee has introduced a resolution to the board to name the field at Beaver Stadium after Joe Paterno, as well as creating a Joe and Sue Paterno Day sometime in the fall. Well, that'll no doubt stir up some dissension, oh won't it? Oh, my gosh. I'm sure because it you has. know... And I don't know if there's a strong majority either way, but I would bet you there is a significant contingent of Penn State football fans that still idolize Joe Paterno. Oh, sure, yeah. And then there is also a significant contingent that, based on what happened circa 2011, or rather what came to light circa 2011, will say absolutely the hell not. Mm Mm-hmm. And then maybe even some that like, well, I, I appreciate Joe Paterno when he did, but... Is name in the field worth all the crap that we're going to have to go through? You know you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, to bring all that back up again, it's – I don't think that that's the best idea. I really don't because you know that's going to be a big deal. People try to cancel Penn State football if they name the field after Joe Paterno. Um, did you think of a college football program that needs to do like the Jets that announced they're doing a uniform change? I can think I, of – I can think of at least one. The first one that comes to mind for me is Baylor. Baylor does not have good uniforms. No, they they went away from the gold and more towards like the bright shiny yellow Which more is than just anything. Gross. It's just disgusting. Baylor needs to completely revamp their uniform package. Because what they got going on right now is atrocious. It's pretty bad. I can think of a lot of schools, I think, that need a revamp. Like, okay, fire away. I don't – okay, I'm actually going with a couple of orange schools here, which is weird. And not that I thought these two schools had great looks then. I think they just have terrible looks now. Okay. Um, Illinois. It's like the I, – I think why I'm doing these two schools. They have just like a giant letter on both of their helmets. Illinois and Syracuse. Illinois now is just like a giant like block eye on each side, and Syracuse is just like a just giant S on each side of the helmet. I don't think it looks very good Which at all. Which is fine if you stay retro 
or if you stay, if you maintain that old school influence. But what they've tried to do is they've done the chrome helmets yep. and they've done the crazy number fonts and they've tried to modernize their jersey packages. When in reality, if what you have is simple, if your color package and uniform package is simple, don't screw with it. Just let it be simple. Yeah, or have some tradition. It's okay to have some tradition with the uniform. Yeah, let let it. Uh, Alabama hang for has a while. never changed their uniforms. No, uh, I think they did like uh, when the pro combat uniforms were a thing. They did like something really small, and even their fans got upset by that. Really, which you know, go figure on that one. Kaylin DeBoer, don't try, don't go there and try to change the uniforms, pal. I don't think that you're that dumb, but definitely do not go there and try to. Uh, modernize the the uniforms or anything. Maryland is appalling to me. Oh, gosh. They have the worst. Are those even alternates now, or that just in their regular rotation? I think it's just their regular uniforms now. Jeez. I don't catch a whole lot of Maryland football on TV, and that's on purpose. Yeah, nor do any of us. Uh, what, March 9th, the next big curtain weekend, the Future Freaks weekend? Yep. March 9th. Mark it down. Well... Kind of already getting ahead with the 2026 class now. I mean, I, we'll see what happens with Amari Sab, but might you have – I mean, might Seth Luttrell have his quarterback in the class before OU snaps the ball this year? Yes. Kind of feels that way, man. Yes, I believe they will. And they've been playing ahead of the chains for a while now when it comes to quarterbacks in recruiting – and it feels like that could be the case with, with Darion Coleman. I mean, would you say that it's imminent, like it could happen in the next two months it commits? Or is it we're going to have to wait till later in the summer? I think it happens this summer. I think it happens this summer. And at that point, Seth Luttrell can kick his feet up, man. He's done recruiting for quite a while. Yeah. All right, that'll do it for Locked In. Bob Stoops will join us next hour at 320. Going to ask him about Billy Tubbs. Recruiting the highest-ranked quarterback in the Super Bowl this year in Blake Bell. And a whole lot more. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the Homeless Center fans.